Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us today on the Imitating Jesus podcast hosted by Icon Ministries. I am Ryan Seibert, joined by my Illuminous friends here, Doug Hunt. Say hello. Hello. And Louis Fitch Clark III. Hello, everyone. <laughs> A.K.A. Louis Clark. A.K.A. Um, this Master Disciple Maker. A.K.A. The Hebrew Hammer. Uh, any other A.K.A.s that we should be aware of? No, not that I know Okay, of. cool. Um, so the vision of Icon Ministries is, and in this podcast, is to see disciples everywhere loving like Jesus. And we accomplish this by God's grace, by initiating love, self-sacrifice, friendship, belonging, hospitality, and empowerment that leads to multiplications of Jesus throughout the world. Multiplication of disciples of Jesus, too. Uh, all right, so this year we are planning on taking a slow walk through the book, Imitating Jesus, New York Times best-selling, right? I didn't get <laughs> no. the paper this week. Is it not on the list this no, week? So. We, okay. Never was on the list. Soon to be New York Times best-selling book, Imitating Jesus, written by Louis Clark, um, penned from your experience from making disciples for decades. Um, the book is over 10 years old, right, Louis? Yes. Man, uh, you learned a lot since then. So um, we are hopefully going to be repackaging the book right with some new insights and that that god willing that'll be happening in the years coming but um we just want to kind of mine this little book and the heart and mind of louis clark uh with also the adages of doug hunt and see some of the treasures um, that god has for us in the process of making disciples so louis why don't you start by just giving us kind of the the overview the summary of what what the principal messages of this book, Imitating Jesus. If you gave me one word, it would be the word love. And would have been uh, a much shorter book. If, uh, <laughs> if we that's right. Just gave you that one. Um, you know, the, the subtitle on the book is uh, Love, Friendship, and Disciple Making. And um, what it flows out of is the essence of God. And um, it's the, when God comes on earth in the form, the person of Jesus, and at his baptism, um, we were exposed to God for the, you know, for the first time. The Father speaking, "This is my Son, uh, whom I love and whom I'm well pleased." And um, and then what does this God do? Named Jesus on earth, he takes twelve men, forms a community, and loves them, and 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 basically teaches them what love looks like over a three-year period. And um, at the end of that time, he says, as the Father has loved me, so I've loved you. And um, here's what I want you to do. I want you to love one another just like I loved you, just like the Father loved me. And men will know you're my disciples. This book is on disciple-making. Men will know that you're my disciples by your uh, love for one another. And um, so, you know, when we uh, came here to Chicago 17 years ago, the, the question we asked was, okay, once being with Jesus for three years, when Thomas heard, come in the world and make disciples, what, what came into his head? When the other 12 heard, go in the world and make disciples, um, what came in their head? And so, um, and if Thomas came to this neighborhood in Chicago after being trained, what would he do if, if um, Andrew would come to Chicago 
after being trained by Jesus, what would you do? And this book is basically the summary of our experience over those uh, years. Yeah. And then you also get, so you spend a lot of time in the big picture, the theological framework, but you also, what I love about this book is how practical you get mm-hmm. and all the experience that you draw on. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you manage that balance between big picture and in practice? <laughs> well, the, the guy I worked with on the book, Tim Grissom, he, uh, I, I can't remember, I think his dad maybe had an eighth grade education, and he said, everything I write, I want to write for my dad, and so that he would understand it. So, because I, I tend to, I love theology books, I read mm-hmm. theology books for fun, mm-hmm. and I think working with Tim was a good balance of me taking, okay, here's all the theological things I wrestled through from the scriptures, and then practically this is how yeah. we uh, make it practical for people, you know. Yeah. Doug, I know you've said you've read the book 20 to 30 times. Oh, so. every night. <laughs> every night, actually. Oh, uh, that's great. Um, do you feel like Louis summarized it well, or would you like to correct him? Yeah, I think so. I, I think love is the word that, that captures the essence of a discipleship relationship. And, uh, you know, as he was mentioning some of the the verses really out of the Gospel of John, one that his that I've been thinking on the last few days actually is at the beginning of John thirteen, where Jesus says, "Having loved his own who were in the world, he now loved them to the end." And I'd love I, I love in my mind I, I that to me that puts this image of when it says having loved those who his who are in the world it, it, I picture the the three years or three and a half years of life that happened before that and he's saying everything that happened up until this moment was was loving those people and and in this you know it's going into obviously the very intense last day of his life where the love just increases all the more mm-hmm. as time goes by and and I just think that that um, simplifies something that I think can be really made complicated. Like, what does it mean to do this? How do you do this? What do you use to do this? And uh, to, to do disciple making. And, and to me, it is, well, well, what does it look like for you to love someone well in a way that, that might reflect the love of Jesus as we see? And, you know what? You know, we, it's, it's easy to think about Jesus in sort of the big, you know, savior of the world, dying for our sins, and in this sort of 10,000 foot view of what he did. But the reality in John 1 says this, that the word became flesh and dwelt among us, or as one translation says, the word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And I love that picture that we see Jesus in the gospels actually dealing with people and the way that he dealt with people who um, had all kinds of experiences, good and bad, the way that he dealt with them is that he loved them and he believed in them and he believed in the possibility of God in their life. And I think to me that's when I read you know, the Imitating Jesus book, to me it's you know, love is, is seen in, in just the ongoing commitment and belief in what God can do. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Louis, why did you feel like you needed to write a book? Fame, fortune, what? Uh... Well, I really didn't feel like I needed to write a book. I was diagnosed with uh, cancer, uh, whatever it was, 11 years ago now. And <clears throat> my friends um, kind of held 
gun to my head saying, okay, you need to write this stuff down, what you've learned about disciple making over the years. You need to write it down. And uh, so that's where the book came from because because why I would not be motivated to write a book on disciple making is because disciples are not made by reading a book. Disciples are not made by going to a conference, Mm -hmm. watching a video. How disciples are made is through relationship. And so I I can see the benefit in getting the message out there of, okay, how did Jesus make disciples and how did Paul make disciples? Um, But... um, and that's why, because you know, I've been helped by other people writing books or their experience and all. Yeah. But I don't see this book as, okay, read this book and you'll become a disciple. That's not how disciples are made. Right. But it, it can, you know, <clears throat> capture the imagination of what it looks sure. like. And, you know, I, I teach a, <clears throat> a disciple-making class at a local Bible college, and every semester I assign this book. And... I, I love the feedback at the end of just how thankful people are for the book and the practical, um, yeah, the, just the practical applications for these concepts. Um, and I just think, yeah, it can be a really valuable tool for people. Um, Louis, you start out the book in chapter one, um, kind of telling a story about, in a way, how this came onto your radar, how you, you had an opportunity with a young man, you felt like you missed it. Um, a defining moment in his life that he shared with you and that kind of put you on this journey a little bit. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Um, well, I think <laughs> I think you have to go back to understanding how our disciples made. And, you know, again, it's it's the Spirit of God working within a person. And it's, it's not about my discipling tools. It's about the Spirit of God and recognizing where the Spirit of God has worked in a person's life. And where that is at is in suffering. And, um, and uh, C.S. Lewis is interesting to me in the fact that he believes that by the time a person is 14, their view of God and themselves and the world is set. And which means that a lot of the suffering we experience is as children. And um, I think the tendency is to kind of wait till people are adult to start thinking about suffering in their life mm-hmm. and where did they suffer as an adult. But in reality, it's going back even to uh, childhood. And so what may seem to me as an insignificant incident in a kid's life, it's like, okay, that's no big deal. Come on. You struck out in the ball at the ball game, you know. But to that kid, it was a defining moment that he still has not quote gotten over and then how do I bring God into that moment for him and recognize you know God was there with you as a 10 year old you know God was present and that God is love and so um, just recognizing uh, the the role of suffering and being sensitive to that in the life of an individual Doug I know um you are one who journeys with people. How how do how do you perceive or see into people's lives um, these moments where you feel like it's time to step in and step up and, and a God moment in their life? Like how do you navigate that process? Uh, well, I mean, obviously it's different for everybody because everybody you know has a different story that they're bringing to the moment, to the friendship, or or whatever, and. Uh, one of the things that I'm 
have learned, and I'm still learning this, I'm still experiencing this right now, is that that it is different for everybody. And, and so the, the, the big issue for me um, that I pray for and that I'm very careful about and very patient with is the idea of trust with people. And that really, that trust, uh, you know, I never go, uh, never, I think, never, you know, in the beginning of a, what becomes a discipling relationship, I never come in and start telling people what they need to do, what they need to read, what they need to think, where they need to go, what they need to fix, what they need to stop doing. I never start there. Um, you know, I don't, I don't have that right in their life because there's no trust and well, who am I? How do you get them to act like a Christian? Right, right. Just here's the five things that uh-huh. you do and everything in life will be easy. I just go with there. I don't have their best life. And but but I'm I just take time, you know, to be a good friend and to build a friendship. And I'm thinking about a particular young man right now that who I just love deeply and there's uh, a lot going on in his life and he is very very young as a Christ follower uh, but in our relationship I'm just being very patient and what helps me in that is um, I think about Jesus in Matthew 5 in the Sermon on the Mount and sort of his big he's got you know he's new on the scene and the people have been waiting for the Messiah to you know rally the troops or whatever and he stands there on the hill and he gives them a completely different message probably than what they were expecting. Uh, and in, at the end of, I guess it's verses 13 through 16, and that's where he talks about you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world. Um, people will glorify God because of you. And that was probably a message that caught those people off guard that they'd be like, okay, that's not what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. And who are we? I mean, we are a little oppressed, the little oppressed, you know, people of Israel. Um, but Jesus was so great at casting a bigger vision for people's life and, and holding that vision for people when they didn't know that they needed that or that that was even possible in their life. And so what I learned from that is that with, the, the guys that I disciple is I want to have faith and believe that God can, God can do something really good inside of and through anyone, that, that everyone is fair game for the work of God. And, and so I keep that in the forefront of my mind and my heart when I'm sitting there with a young man who doesn't even know what he mm-hmm. believes. And that kind of fuels my friendship um, and my perspective of them. And then I go slow. I go slow and I just listen to their life for moments when God, you know, the Holy Spirit really, you know, reveals in his way to me that, okay, it's time for this conversation. It's time for that conversation. It's time to ask this question. Uh, So it's about patience. It's about trust. Uh, It's not assuming that I'm the answer guy. You know, I'm a responder to the work of the Spirit in their life. That's where I like Henry Blackaby's, you know, Experiencing God, the book of the 90s. Um, and the basic premise of that was, you know, find out where God is at work yeah. and join him there. And I think that's what we're doing when we're, when we're asking questions, when we're walking alongside of people, we're minding their hearts, hearing their story. 
and seeing the threat of where God is at work, and then we we join there. And oftentimes that's in hardships, that's in suffering, like you're saying, Louis. But those are the the portals, the windows into what God is doing in their lives. I mean, I always I always think back to my college, and I was in a really challenging season of life. Um, some of that because of my own bad decisions, and some of that just other things going on. And I was not, you know, a shiny. Um, Christian, you know, I didn't have a whole lot going for me, but someone in the midst of all of that, someone believed in me and pursued me and um, nurtured my life and loved me, even though I was not, I didn't have it all together. And that just had a huge, huge impact on my life of when someone believed in me where I was and pursued me. Uh, And I'll never forget that, you know, I'll never lose that, Mm -hmm. you know, appreciation for, for that. And that helps me you know, see people hopefully in a, in a good way. Louis, in, uh, in the beginning of the book, you kind of talk about what is the goal of disciple making? So how would, how would you communicate what is the goal of making disciples when you're investing in a, in someone and walking alongside them in relationship and friendship? What, what is your goal? Well, again, it's going to be love. And, but what I mean by that is that you know for them to become an image bearer of God, where they reflect God uh, to the world? Like often you'll hear within Christianity, they'll say to glorify God, and we don't know what that means. And what I'm trying to help them understand is what, in order for you to reflect God, you are going to have to both receive love and give love. And some people are better at receiving love than they are giving love. Mm-hmm. Some people are better at giving love than receiving love. It's got to be both. And I love Thomas Aquinas' definition of love where he says that it is um, desiring and, and doing what's best for the beloved, but then also to become in union with the beloved. So it's not just me serving my disciple, but it's becoming in union with my disciple. Yeah. And, um, and, and then in him doing that, then he glorifies God he he reflects God to the world and and again that's done in community men will know you're my disciples by your love for one another it's me loving the other disciples and the disciples loving me you know as um, and and in doing that then they become a witness to the world so our community is our witness and our witness is our community because we're reflecting both God and the gospel you know, the good news of Jesus and, and the good news of the kingdom of God coming on earth um, and how I am doing that is through my relationships of love. Mm-hmm. So, in Jesus' final words, at least according to Matthew, that he said to his disciples, you know, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, <clears throat> therefore go make disciples and he tells them to do two things baptizing them in the name of the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you and surely I'm with you always to the end of the age so when he says teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you you know I think it, it's, it's important that we connect so the disciple making process is not we simplify it and say it's it's essentially friendship, but it's not friendship for the sake of friendship. It's it's friendship for the sake of helping someone obey all that Christ has commanded us to do and to be. 
And then when you reduce that, when Jesus himself reduced it, he was talking to the religious leaders one day and they were trying to trap him and they said, hey, Jesus, what's the most important commandment? And he doesn't, again, doesn't say what he thinks that they think he's going to say. He says, love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, and mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So if Jesus, God in flesh, saw fit to reduce all of the commands to one thing, which is two things, love God and love people, to me that, that's the bottom line of what we're doing in making disciples. We're helping people love God so that they will love people, so that those people will love God and they will love people, that, that ongoing multiplication and replication. Doug, any thoughts on the, the goal of disciple-making, what that looks like? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's the same thing that, that you guys are saying. It is, it is. Um, there's sort of a so that in that, so that they would go do the same. And, you know, not, you know a, a verse that really, very early on when I was in college, I will never forget being challenged with this verse. It was the first time I'd ever seen it. It was, well, when I was in college, it was the first time I saw a lot of scripture, actually, but but it was second timothy 2 2 you know the things that you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses these entrust to reliable men who will uh, also be qualified to tell others something like that and and it was about the passing on of faith the multiplication of the image of god on earth and and it's funny you know you talk about teaching them to obey all that i command there's like i think there's like a part of us in general where it's it's nice to have a list of okay here's the things to do here's the things not to do but you know in a very clear way because you can check that off okay I didn't right. kill anybody today I didn't you know I didn't do this today I, you know I helped somebody off the, across the street you know and so you can and and that makes us feel good about ourselves but the flip side of that is the burden of feeling the weight of man if I don't obey every command of a good deed or a bad deed you know that's a very heavy burden and mm-hmm. I think that you know the command to to love is like a yet it has a that works itself out in a thousand different ways uh, but at the same time there's such great freedom when you realize man I don't have to it's not about waking up today and thinking boy I hope I do everything right today um, to please God and you know and don't ever say anything I shouldn't say or whatever the thing is but there's great freedom in knowing that it really is about abiding in the love of the Father mm-hmm. and uh, learning to lay down my life for my friend mm-hmm. and, and that's what I want for people you know not, it's not that it's about what I want but you know that's what I, I pray that people would understand is that it's live a life of love that's what Paul said live a life of love imitating the love of the Father. So, I think that's why one of, the, one of the constant refrains that we have around here is just keep the main thing the main thing. Yeah. You put first things first, second things are added in. If second things come first, then you lose both the first and the second thing. And I know, Louis, you, you talk about in chapter one of the book, um, you say, I fear we're losing the simplicity of discipleship, resulting in disciple makers becoming an endangered species. Why, why do you feel like there is a, a shortfall of those who are making disciples and, and what can we do about that? Well, I think it is relational. Therefore, as Doug has said, it's slow, it's small, 
and we in the West, we like big, we like fast. And, um, you know, you're not going to be written up in a magazine about, oh, look at this, there's 12 guys that he discipled over three years. Wow, what a movement. You know, that's not what we measure in our culture. Um, and, um, and I think the other thing is there's a high cost to it. You know, you are laying down your life for your disciple. How I differentiate between disciple making and mentoring. Um, you know, I can mentor in a business. I can even mentor in the church. But mentoring isn't the same in the fact that it's, yeah, it is a relationship. I'm helping this person out. I'm equipping them. I'm cheering them on. But in disciple making, you are dying. You are laying down your life. Um, because that's what Jesus showed us. That's what Jesus did. Um, he laid down his life for his disciples. And so I'm dying to myself for the life of another. And Paul argues that same thing in Second Corinthians. You know, we die in order that you have salvation. And, and so in, you know, the, you know, who wants to sign up for that? Sign up to die. You know. Yeah, I'll take a hard pass on that. Yeah, yeah. And and so that's why I think it's you, know, you can be in ministry and um, and not have to lay down your life for others. Um, but if you're going to make disciples, you will you will have to lay down your life. Doug, any thoughts on our Well, just as he was talking, I was thinking about you know what that means on a day-to-day level it means the the opening up of your life the opening up of your home and I know there's a section I'm sure we'll get to at some point maybe in another day about hospitality and it's where your day-to-day living is not not about you it's not about okay I want to get as comfortable as I can get but it's I'm going to I'm going to be ready to give up my time. I'm going to be ready to give up my money. I'm going to be ready to welcome people into my home at an inconvenient moment. I'm going to show up when they need you to show up at whatever's going on in, in their life. And uh, and that's part of it, and that's hard. And as, and as Louie was saying, you know, who is who gets excited about being inconvenienced, you know, and, and, and to use that word, I don't know if that's a great word, but, but it really, it, it costs time, it costs heart, it costs money, money, <laughs> yeah, uh, and, but that is love, that is what love, as Jesus lived it out, he, mm-hmm. not just in the coming from glory to earth, but just in the way that he lived life, he didn't live for his own comfort in the way that he lived, Paul didn't live you know, to to just be comfortable and ride off into the sunset. He uh, he said in, in Acts twenty, I don't count my life as any value dear to myself. If only I can finish what God has called me to do, and that's that's a pretty hard you know way to go. When and when when in my life have I felt the most love from people is when I know what they have done has come at great cost to them. Right. right, and that, that's that's the theme of every great movie that brings us to tears. That's the theme of every great novel that leaves us a blubbering. Something in us resonates with this idea of ultimate sacrifice, and so and like you quoted John thirteen, like showing the full extent of his love, and then Jesus started marching towards Calvary, yeah. and then John fifteen will probably quote every single podcast. But that idea, the the fullest expression of love is a man laying down his life for his friend, 
And that's ultimately the discipleship process in, in a sentence. Um, you know, we, we've all known each other for a long time. Lou and I, you and I have been friends over 20 years in ministry together. Doug, over 20 years as well with Louie. We've got a lot of history together, which is beautiful. Uh, and Louie, one of the things I've seen you do so well when we talk about loving is the way that you, and you talk about the sun in your book, but the way that you advocate for people. So whether you call that a cheerleader, whether you call that an advocate, like something in the character of God and the Spirit's prompting has told you that I need to be the one fighting for someone as I'm walking alongside them. Where does that come from? Why is that so powerful and significant to you? Well, I mean, I think that's what God does, and that's what the gospel is. I think, you know, that's the foundation of it. I think on a personal level, it was the experience I had with Taylor Gardner, the man who discipled me when I was 20 years old, and how everything I'm writing about is what I experienced with him. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so it's, it, was my, it was my experience. And, and then when you read um, Paul's writings through that lens, you know, you see it where in 1 Thessalonians, um, first of all, it's interesting to me that he says that we, he, when they were separated, we were separated from the Thessalonians, that it was he felt orphaned from them so orphan means you know you did you know what it was to be in union with and to belong and now you lost that and um and he was trying to get back to them but was inhibited by satan but he says he writes to them for what is our hope our joy or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our lord jesus when he comes is it not you Indeed, you are our glory and our joy. So when Jesus comes back, you know, what is Paul going to be proud of? What is it, you know, the crown on his head? It's his disciples, Mm -hmm. you know, and um, Taylor did that for me. You know, Taylor believed in me and loved me. And to this day, he's still alive. He's 85 years old. and he, every time I'm with he and his wife, Jimmy, I walk away feeling I could charge hell with a water pistol because, I mean, they just believe in me. And, um, and that is what I read here with Paul and his disciples. And so that's, why would I do less? Mm-hmm. You know, and, I mean, we just had, uh, this week, we had two different young men, you know, in their early 20s here, and I would say both of them are men of God, that they both of them would be what Paul calls Timothy, you know, a man of God. But no one's ever told them that. You know, they, they're kind of craw- trying to crawl their way up the ladder um, to get into ministry. Well, we should be after those guys that said, you know, CJ, I see in you incredible potential, you know, for the kingdom and come alongside. Let, let, what do we got to do to help get you? You know, of uh, doing kingdom work, um, but we, and even with at least the stripe of Christianity I'm in, we don't do that very well. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> such a different view of seeing this is you are the mm-hmm. crown in which I will glory, rather than the the project which I will manage, or the person that I will fix, or the lesser that I will mm-hmm. bless with a little bit of my wisdom and knowledge. Yeah, that it is love, because that's not love. Mm-hmm. Those things are not love. 
what we're doing is love. Doug, any final thoughts as we land this plane today? Well, I, I, I just am hearing in all of this and thinking, you know, of just the belief in people. And, you know, most young men, women, old men, whatever, you know, people, most people have probably not had someone, you know, through the lens of Jesus, look them in the eye and tell them that they are believed in. And, and I can think of some specific conversations that I've had mm. where it's in where I have had those type of moments and they almost it's almost hard for them to receive because it's a foreign language to them to hear someone say, hey, I love you and I believe in you and I believe in the possibility of God in your life. Mm. And it's hard for them to receive. But you can also tell that it is filling this giant void in their heart that they need to be filled and you don't just do that to give them lip service to make them feel good but then you but then what disciple making does and that's where okay now how do I love them to help them realize that reality in their life that they are the salt of the earth that they are the light of the world so now I don't just say that but you know by God's grace um, and the goodness of that relationship, I take the long walk, the three and a half year walk of laying down my life for them to see that. And I think that's um, a beautiful journey. Amen. Amen. Louie, anything? I'm good. You are good. You're great. You're good to great. Uh, I love you guys. It's always good sitting around talking about yep. these things. Um, thank you. Thank you all for listening to today's podcast, um, Imitating Jesus with Icon Ministries. You can head over to iconministries.org to connect with us there or access some other articles or videos on making disciples. We at Icon, we are a faith-based ministry relying on God's uh, the gifts of God's people. So if you'd like to donate and give towards the support of our ministry, you can click on the donate button at our website, iconministries.org.